Welcome to the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the birders that pursue them. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Shrobsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lesser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously, where to find amazing birds. Head on over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com, and be sure to sign up to our newsletter on the site so you do not miss out on any of the exciting things that are coming up. Be sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, and please take some time to rate and comment on it. This is episode 23, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of spring. In KZN, the last couple of days have been either cold and wet or warm and windy. You might hear at the moment in the background, the wind is howling, but I'm really excited to present today's guests. We have two exciting guests, not just one, but two exciting guests. I start the show chatting to Andrew DeBlock from BirdLife South Africa, who gives us all the exciting news about this weekend's virtual African bird fair. Straight after that, I have a chat with one of South African cricket's brightest stars. He is not only an amazing batsman for the Proteas, but he also has a love for birds, birding, and nature in general. I'm excited to be chatting to Russi van der Dissen. He is going to be telling us all about his exciting cricket career, how he stays both physically and mentally prepared, as well as telling us all about his love for birds. But first, let's have a chat to Andrew. So, Andrew DeBlock, I want to welcome you back to the show. Um, second time you've been on the show. Yeah, I've got two caps now. No longer a debut appearance. Awesome. We won't talk about doing selfies with birds today. Ah, yeah, no, let's, let's leave that one in the past. Thank you. So while we've got you on the show today is we're going to be chatting about the Virtual African Bird Fair, which is coming up this Saturday, the 5th of September, in case you listen to this podcast next week. I'm really excited. Uh, I saw Mark Anderson was putting the ex- put the exciting announcement online that the keynote speaker for this year's Bird Fair or Virtual African Bird Fair is Peter Harrison. Um, I've heard so many things about Peter Harrison, and I'm really looking forward to that. So I don't know if you want to just chat about that, and then just tell us a little bit about the other speakers and courses, and what can we expect to come up on Saturday? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Adam. Um, Peter Harrison is our, our major draw card. He's going to be presenting our keynote conservation lecture. Um, Peter's uh, he's an MBE, actually a member of the British Empire, which was a title bestowed on him by the, the Queen for his uh, contributions to seabird conservation. Uh, he's been called the, the David Attenborough of the Seas, and his uh, talks are absolutely legendary. Those of you who've joined BirdLife uh, for different flocks at sea will remember his talks on albatrosses and penguins. He's uh, packed out those lecture theatres for multiple talks on those cruises, and people have uh, just come with absolute rave reviews. I've personally actually never heard him speak. I didn't make it onto the previous flocks. I was doing a wind farm surveys, funnily enough in the Northern Cape, so a very, very different spot to at sea, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, he's going to be involved, and that's going to be our only paid event of the entire day. So the, the fair is an entirely free event for people to attend. You just uh, register on the website, and I'm sure Adam can uh, post the link in the description for this podcast. And uh, he's the only paid event. It's a 50 rand entrance fee, so that's you know, under three US dollars. And for 
less than the price of a movie ticket admission these days. You can hear this world-class speaker um, telling you about albatrosses and their uh, plight and their conservation. So that's going to be our, our big uh, climax event that we uh, kind of culminate in at 5 o'clock. So he's on 5 to 6 p.m. Um, so you'll just need to pay for that. Um, other than that, we've got a full program, Adam, from 6.30 in the morning until about 8 p.m. at night. So it's a full, full day. You can dip in and out as you wish. Um, the schedule is going to go live uh, tomorrow morning. So actually, this uh, recording is a total preview, Adam. You're the first person to hear uh, about it before the public. So I hope you feel quite special. So we, we kick off at 6.30 with a live stream of the Wild Earth Safari. So this is something that they do every day, but we are getting a special personalized intro from their CEO, Graham Wallington, who's going to tell us about the importance of birds to their game drives and that. And then you can tune into that with your cup of coffee and then some kids activities in the morning as well. The African Bird Fair in, in uh, Walter Sisulu was renowned for its engagement with kids and, and young members of the family. So we've got some kids activities from 7.30 until 9. And then our official opening ceremony kicks off at 9 o'clock. We've got the Minister of Tourism to come speak to us, which I think is a big coup. And then we've got also Patricia Zurita from BirdLife International, uh, Professor Nusya Chinsami Turan, who's our honorary president. Um, she works at UCT, as well as Prof. Peter Ryan's going to say a few, few words about African birds and, and their unique uh, context. So he, he's the director of the Fitzpatrick Institute of African Ornithology. So we've got a star-studded lineup for our official opening ceremony. And then our events kick off in earnest. And, you know, it's a cliche to say that there's something for everyone, but there absolutely is at this fair. The schedule's absolutely packed. I was in charge of putting it together, and it was really tough to get this much information or presenters and speakers in in just a one-day event. So we've got a packed program. We've got um, some features early on about African birding destinations. Um, we've got two sessions on that, so that's going to include presentations from uh, guides in those countries or that are experts in those countries from international tour operators and they're going to talk about the highlights and what to expect for birding in different African countries. We have a session on South African birding destinations. We of course recognize that a lot of our viewers or attendees on the day are going to be South African so we've got some experts in the different provinces to speak about that. We've got a session that's being run by the Fitzpatrick Institute on ornithology in Africa. Uh, Patricia Zurita who's the um, CEO at BirdLife International is going to lead a panel discussion on the effects of COVID on uh, AV tourism and conservation as well. Just um, what else? We've got um, keynote presentations from Duncan Butcher, who's a very well-known bird artist, and he authored a book on garden birds, and he's going to talk about how to rewild your garden for birds. And Professor Nusya Chinsami Turan, our honorary president, is going to give a, a fascinating talk on the evolution of birds, which I thought was a really nice different offering you know it's not something that birders hear about often but i think it's really going to enlighten us on birds and and their uh, evolutionary context which is amazing and we're also going to finish the day with uh, what we're calling the biggest bird quiz in africa so that's going to be presented by myself and mike buckham uh, some of your guys might know mike buckham from the better birding uh, webinars that they've been running so he and i are putting together a formidable list of questions on the birds across africa and uh, africa as a whole so that's something to look forward to. And then that's just the main schedule. And then on the side, we've got all these different events going on. There's a feature on bird art. There's a discussion on the importance of bird clubs. We're bringing Zeiss in to talk about birding optics. We're having a presentation from Sabaf on the Bird Map Africa project. So the broader application of 
the SABAP project that um, your listeners will be more um, au fait with. Um, we have a silent auction going on so people can bid on various items. We've got, I think, over 25 or 30 items that uh, people can bid on. Um, there's going to be talks from our bird life partners in Africa as well, and also some of our NGO partners in the bird conservation space. There is so much going on. There's going to be parallel events so you can pick and choose. Um, there's going to be a whole agenda set up so you can kind of personalize which events you want to go, go to. Um, and then if you miss something, if there's two sessions going on that you just can't choose between, it's okay because this content will still be on, on the platform um, after the event for you to view, um, with the exception of Peter Harrison's talk, of course, because that's paid for. Everything else will be there to view again going forward, so don't worry. Um, you won't miss out on everything, but it's going to be an absolutely action-packed day, so I think everyone's going to have an awesome time. Um, the last thing I just want to mention is that it's also International Vulture Awareness Day. Um, this Saturday, so we thought we we need to feature that as as one of our main events. So straight after the official opening ceremony, we're going to go into an International Vulture Awareness Day event, um, which has been which is going to include speakers from right through from the Americas and into Africa. So we're going to cover the whole range of vultures and have some experts talking about the the latest in vulture conservation. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be an amazing day, Adam, and I hope people enjoy it. And then in terms of the stalls and the stallholders, how's that going to work? Because I think one thing I'm really excited about, you spoke about that, that $3 amount. Um, we've spoken about how this is going to be one of the first truly African bird fairs, but I think it's also going to be an international bird fair because anyone from anywhere in the world, and I've got, we've got overseas listeners who listen to this podcast, but anyone from anywhere in the world will be able to log in and be a part of this of the bird fair this year. So tell us about how it's going to work in terms of storeholders and are people are storeholders still able to to sign on and put up a stall at at at, at the virtual African bird fair? Yeah, so that's one of the most exciting things about this platform is it allows for these really interactive virtual exhibition booths. So what we've been doing is uh, signing on exhibitors for different packages and each package kind of goes up in the amount of interactivity it has um, as, as those packages kind of increase in their price. So we've got over 50 exhibitors signed up already, and I know that uh, Julie Bailey, our events coordinator, is dealing with a whole lot of new requests in her inbox this Monday morning as we're chatting. So I expect that number to go up even more. Those are split across tour operators, our conservation partners, um, people selling merchandise like uh, books, and there's um, a few publishers that have come on board. There's bird artists exhibiting their way. So it's going to have the real experience of a, a true African bird fair as we know it. But as you say, the application is so much wider across the board and it's going to be a really exciting virtual space. I mean, you can interact with the speakers, um, you know, as it's kind of on a social media type thing. There's kind of a WhatsApp chat that you can have with different attendees at the fair. Um, you can go to the booths, ask live questions that you'll get answered back. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a really cool interactive integrated platforms i think it's going to work really well no no we're excited we've got a stall we're going to have up this set this on, on saturday and yeah I encourage you to come visit our store i think we work in some prize giveaways and that kind of thing so for somebody who has not registered yet how do they register to attend the bird fair so there's a, a web link which i think will rather than reciting here i'll just ask you to pop it in the description for this podcast adam um, you can just go there and you sign on with your email address and the country. We're trying to keep, keep track of how many countries uh, people have come from. Um, I think at this point, we are sitting at 14 different countries and the, the registration's only been open a few days. 
So it's really exciting. You just sign up with your email address, your country. It's absolutely free unless you want to um, uh, attend Peter's lecture. Um, it's worth mentioning that that 50 Rand is, is going to a conservation cause. So because Peter's talking about albatrosses in particular, that money is going to be going towards the albatross task force, which is our in-house albatross conservation uh, team. So they work with uh, fisheries and at kind of the coal face of albatross task force or, or albatross conservation, excuse me. So that's where that money is going to be going. So that 50 Rand, you can feel good about putting that money uh, into the talk. You can enjoy a fantastic talk and do good at the same time. I think just want to ask one more question. Um, a lot of people might hear the idea of a virtual bird fair. And for some people, technology is something that scares them. How user-friendly is this platform going to be? Because, you know, for somebody who's tech-savvy or knows how to use a computer, it's all good. But for somebody who's maybe struggles with technology, how friendly is it going to be accessible on just lapped, on just on a PC or can you use a cell phone? How, how easy is this going to be to actually to access the material for someone that maybe isn't that tech-savvy on Saturday? Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. And I think it's important for us to bear in mind the general birding demographics. Of course, there's lots of young birders in that, but a lot of our birders are of the older generation. So we made sure to make this as easy to use and, and apply as possible. It's available as a website, so it's on your laptop, on your cell phone, whichever device you prefer. And it is really easy to use. There'll also be, as you log in for the first time on the day, there's going to be a prompt uh, that's going to take you through how to use the website and how to um, make the most of the day and uh, operate the different um, uh, the different sessions that are going on. So it'll all be explained um, in very user-friendly terms. And the site itself, I've seen the, the demo as it's being built. Um, it's very user-friendly. There's got an easy menu to use down the left with everything that you need to access. So yeah, it's very easy to use. And I think it's going to be um, a really uh, interesting day and a new experience for all of us, but I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Uh, Andrew, we're really looking forward to it. And thanks for giving up the time to be on the show. Really looking forward to it, and we cannot wait. And I know if anyone hasn't registered, like we said, all the links will be in the comment section of the podcast. Be sure to register. Don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today, and don't miss out. It's going to be an amazing, amazing day. Yeah, thanks, Adam, and uh, looking forward to having you at the bird fair as well. Have you heard that BirdLife South Africa is hosting the first ever virtual African bird fair on Saturday the 5th of September 2020? We'll be showcasing a jam-packed day filled with world-class speakers giving fantastic talks and presentations, silent auctions, virtual exhibitor stalls and much, much more. You'll be able to join and participate from the comfort of your own home with the whole family. Registrations are open. Be sure to click on the link in the comments section of this podcast. We are bringing virtually the best bird fair in Africa to you. Be sure not to miss out. So um, this is a meeting between my two great loves. If you know me, I love birding and I love cricket. And today I'm really excited to have a chat to Rusty van Edison, who's one of my favorite Proteas cricket players. But something that some people might not know um, we can let all your secrets out today, Rusty, is that you are also a birder. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, not a lot of people know that, but I've actually been birding uh, for, for quite a while in my life, probably about 15, 16 years, maybe even longer. Um, so, yeah, like you say, two great loves, cricket and birding. 
Yeah, I remember when you did the lockdown, you did that an exercise video and you were talking, showing around your house and that's where you let the, the cat out the bag. You had your, I think it was a Cecil book in your one room and you said, this is just for your birding. And it was like, you know, when people talk, you get people who say, oh, I do a bit of bird watching. You actually use the term birding. So yeah, it's really cool that you're a bird. It just shows why we think you're an amazing protea. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll take that, yeah. So yeah, this might be a question that um, from a cricket perspective, let's start with this here. So a question that a lot of people are wondering at the moment, I know you guys just went away and did a camp up in Kruger that's been on the news. When are we going to see the Proteas playing cricket again? I've just been watching a bit of England and Pakistan on TV, but we are waiting for the Proteas. When are the Proteas going to play? When are we going to see you making 50s and 100s again on the cricket field? Yeah, Adam, I think uh, probably around November um, with everything happening that the Future Tours program has, has sort of, it's been quite complicated. As you know, we've, we've missed tours to Sri Lanka, West Indies. Uh, we've missed a series now against uh, India. Yeah, but in all likelihood, uh, probably November, the IPL is starting in a few weeks' time. And then after that, uh, the international calendar sort of kicks off straight away. And then uh, from what I'm hearing, we'll, we'll be quite busy. I think England are coming here, Sri Lanka are coming here, and then, and then we have a few away tours as well. So probably November onwards, hopefully, if, if everything goes well, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of cricket going forward. And then how's it been in terms of your preparation as a cricket player? Because, um, you know, for a lot of the lockdown, you were at home, you couldn't get to training facilities, you couldn't get to the gym. So how's that training process look like? How have you kept shop? So when you get back onto the field, you're going to get back and running. How's, how's that process look for you? Well, the first few weeks, actually, we, we came back from India um, and after a fairly long season. So the first few weeks was nice to have, have uh, some off time at, at the home. Uh, you know, we, we travel a lot playing cricket. So, you know, time with family and in the lockdown, especially time with my wife. It was, it was good to have a few weeks off. And then sort of we started training straight away again, uh, making, well, you could, you could only really do fitness and conditioning uh, at, at home. And then during that time where, where you could exercise between six and nine, uh, we did some running in that. And in the last, let's say, five to six weeks, some sort of normality has returned. Uh, we're training with our franchises. So I'm training, training with the Lions in Johannesburg uh, at Wanderers. It's still in small groups, so it's not a normal team uh, training environment. But you know, at least it's you, you. You can hit balls, and you can the bowlers can bowl, and you can take a few catches, and and make sure that your cricket side is also up to scratch for now. Like I said earlier, we'll, we'll probably start playing in in November again. So there's still still a few few weeks for us to go in terms of preparation and that going forward. And then you, as a Proteus cricket player, you came into the Proteus fold a little bit uh, a little bit older than most people come in. Do you know, in which way do you feel that gave you a bit of an advantage and which way do you think that might have been a bit more of a challenge, which, which you know, must have been both sides of it? I think, uh, I think it actually helped me in good stead. Uh, I think I made my debut when I was 29 years old. So, you know, by that time, you, as a cricketer and as a batter, you know your game, you know your your strengths and weaknesses, your limitations. And um, for me, you know, I realized when I played my first few games, uh, the fundamentals of the game stay the same. Uh, it's, it's just the intensity. And obviously, it's one, one level up from, from what you're used to playing franchise cricket and provincial cricket. So I think that's a, a positive that I took from it coming into the team later. Um, you know, some guys come into the team quite early and yes, yes, they might start doing well and learn those lessons uh, at, at the highest stage. But for me, you know, I came into the team later and having, having already learned those lessons and almost 
to an extent a, a finished domestic product and and I had a really good base to to build my international game on so yeah I wouldn't have had it any other way you know I've I've come a long way in my career and and a lot of hard times as everyone does and um, you know a lot of nights uh, spending thinking will your dream come true or not and will you reach your goal of playing for your country and um, you know sort of resilience I suppose builds up uh, in you as a player and that so that when when that opportunity comes you you're really hungry to take take it and make a success of it and then I can imagine being an international cricket player uh, it's probably especially that step up from the domestic to the international there's so much more pressure um you know I just was you know saying to you beforehand it's it's South African cricket's crazy and I'll say this is a South African supporter when South Africa does well everybody thinks you guys are heroes and you know ticket take parade parades through the street and at the next game you lose and you guy everyone thinks you guys are the biggest flops in the world um you know how do you get on the on the field and I mean you just you just seem to get on the field and just play I mean how do you psychologically overcome that because there must be this immense pressure playing you know in front of so many people how do you how do you manage that psychological side of of the game yeah i think for me you know it's it's part of professional sport and and professional cricket you're always going to have some criticism uh, if you do well like you say people will love you and and everything will be good and and as soon as you lose a game or two um you know you 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 open yourself up for some criticism which is which is fair you know fans uh, South African sports fans are passionate. We all want to win. We all want to do the best. We all want to put in good performances, especially against big teams. And um, as as a national sportsman, it's your responsibility to go out there and, and carry those hopes of of the country and 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 get a positive result. But for me, as a player going out there, you know, you it's it's sort of the mental side comes into it. You you can only focus and control and on what's right in front of you and as a batter that that will be the next ball and uh, you sort of go through those processes uh ball by ball and and um, that's where your your thinking and your game plan and and your your technique comes in and if you can sustain that sort of mindset and that focus you know more often than not you'll you'll come out on on a positive side and on a successful side so yeah it's it's part of a game it's not it's not something that i think you you pick it up with experience you know all the flack that you get when when it doesn't go well, um, but from a mental side of side of it, you you make peace with, you know, giving your best every moment and every ball out there and trusting yourself and and um, you know your 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 self worth isn't isn't measured by by what people say and write and and talk about. Um, sort of as a player, I know what I'm what I'm about and what I'm capable of, and and sort of I know that when I perform at my best, I can I can play good innings and win, win matches for my country. So, yeah, I suppose it's it's just where the mental side of it comes in, really. So, yeah, Rossi, um, this is obviously, for those who are listening, this is the birding life. So we want to chat about a little bit about your birding story. Uh, I, when I had a chat to you on the phone last night, I just asked you a couple of questions, and you are definitely a birder. I asked you the question, if you go to Kruger National Park, are you more interested in the animals or the birds? And you said, the birds. So you definitely are a birder. So... Where did this love for birds start? You know, how did this this passion for birding start? I think Adam, it started quite early on. Um, I grew up in in Pretoria. I went to Menlo Park. I went to school in Menlo Park, uh, but I was privileged in the sense that uh, my grandparents always had a farm in Limpopo Province, um, and we went there literally uh, every every holiday and every chance that we could. We we went to the farm. 
so I always sort of grew grew up with a love of nature and a love to be outside and on the farm seeing animals and you know having those experiences that a lot of my friends in the city didn't always have so from from a young age seeing the animals and, and being around animals wasn't wasn't a foreign thing for me and I, and yeah I just had a love for birds I, I had a lot of birds pet birds when I grew up um, on the farm you know stray birds that I that I would pick up and, and ray hand rear um, I had a, a, a gray lurie or what do you call it in English a gray go away bird a queer fool uh, that I hand reared I had an Indian miner which we actually <laughs> they came into the farm we didn't really like them too too much there not not many people are a fan of them but um, yeah a chick fell out of the out of the nest and I decided to hand rear it and yeah uh, not a, peop- a lot of people know that they actually speak a lot better than parrots for example but um, yeah so I've just been around birds sort of sort of from from a young age and and started sort of studying them and, and watching them and yeah for me the fascination was just the amount of birds there are and you know you uh, these days I, I i say to people when they when they ask me about my birding i say it's a bit like when you go to let's say the kruger for someone who isn't a bird and and they see a, a member of the big five when you when you see a, a rare or a or a nice bird it's the sort of same sort of feeling so um some people get that feeling when they see a a lion or a, or a rhino or whatever when when i see a nice bird and as you would know uh, it's sort of that same feeling so yeah just just from from young i suppose i for, for some reason i just uh, was fascinated by it have you ever chased after a rare bird are you are you a bit of a twitcher you know when a when a rare bird shows up and the rare bird report goes out are you someone that's ever chased after any specific species no not really like a, yeah you know i'm a birder i'm i won't say i'm a professional birder <laughs> So in terms of chasing after a specific species, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a few, uh, none of which come to mind right now, which are, which are really rare. Um, and also that I don't remember the name right now, and I don't have my book with me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, chasing after some sort of, when you, when you hear a bird, I like to, to really see a bird and sort of study it and so so when you hear a bird that's that, that you firstly know is foreign or or you know it's a bird that's that, that you really want to see uh you know spending a bit of time tracking it down yeah that's i i enjoy that like i said i'm not a professional birder but um wherever i get a chance and yeah which is these days not not too often uh seeing that we're away from home a lot i like to go different region and, and find out what the sort of I suppose endemic to the area birds are and, and seeing if I can see them. Yeah, like I mentioned, I'm, I grew up sort of Gauteng, Limpopo province. So whenever we, we sort of in Natal or even in the Cape, you know, birds are that, that I don't get to see on a, on, a, on a consistent basis at home. Those are the birds that I sort of chase after. Have you done any birding when you, or do you get to do any birding when you're on any of the, the overseas cricket tours? Because there's some really amazing birds. I know like you mean to India and India's birds are phenomenal. Have you, do you get to do any birding at any of the places? Yeah, we, I, I try to. Um, when you're on tour, you don't have a lot of time. Um, your schedule is pretty packed. Um, and and some, sometimes the, the, the hour or two that you do have off in a day, you, you want to spend resting or recovering. So you don't really want to go on too much of a road trip but yes India uh, I did I did spend some time over there and um, they really do have amazing birds as you know um, and a place that I would love to go is Australia I've, I've also 
I've always been a sort of fan of, of parrots and parakeets and that, and obviously they have a lot of them there. So yeah, I try to make time. It's not not always as 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 easy staying in a hotel and, and having to uh, sort of organize security when when you go out of the hotel and um, it's not it's not always as straightforward as just going out to a place and and, and looking at birds. But yeah, definitely when I when I do get time, I, I try and do it. And then in terms of any other the other cricket players either internationally or even some of the, the the local players are there any other birders in the the cricket the cricket family not a lot of birders per se um, but a lot of guys that enjoy the outdoors enjoy the bush um, uh, Quentin de Kock is, is very fond of his time outdoors fishing more especially more um, but it's very fond of his time in the bush David Miller Obviously, coach Mark Boucher with his Boucher legacy and, and his involvement in, in anti-rhino poaching. And uh, there's a lot of guys who really enjoy uh, the, the outdoors. Birders, yeah, I wouldn't say there's, there's anyone who really uh, has taken up birding to an extent. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of guys who, who enjoy their time in the bush. I think we was organised with Strike Media to get a whole lot of bird books to the South African cricket team, do a bit of converting the guys on that. <laughs> I I actually remember a funny story. I was actually at the uh, at the cricket the last time Australia played against South Africa in Kingsmead, and was that whole match fix uh, not the match fixing the the ball tampering tour, and I was sitting in the crowd and this and I ended up getting a ticket the right in the middle of the, the Australian section, and I mean I was the only South African supporter, but. There was a guy in front of me and he was literally like sitting there with his bird book, this Australian cricket uh, supporter looking through his bird book. And it's just like, you know, what really was amazing is it's almost like this, it almost connected us. You know, we were from opposing su- supporters, but there was this connection and it's 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 really cool. I mean, I wouldn't be speaking to you if you weren't a birder. It's amazing how, you know, there's this birding connects us. It's a really amazing. Yeah, there's there are guys that you get in contact with, and I mean, one that comes to mind right now is is uh, it's a famous uh, sports journalist. I'm sure you'll know him, Ken Borland, that he covers most of the cricket in South Africa. Very very experienced journalist, and and at one of the awards evenings, I sort of had a chat to him and uh, mentioned that that I've bird, and and he's a he's a massive birder himself. Um, and you're right, you, you know, as soon as as soon as someone uh, realizes that. You know, you 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 have a hobby that you share. It's it's it really it really does um, start a conversation and and sort of opens you up to I suppose new new contacts and new friendships. And then in terms of birding trips, what is your what is the best birding trip you've been on? I think my best birding trip uh, for sort of a extended honeymoon. My my, my parents gave us a, a it wasn't a week. It was probably about five or six days in a Spangaliso wetland park at a. I think the place was called Nibela Lake Lodge, and when we when we got there, we they they informed us that yeah, there's there's birding tours. Yeah, we like I said, it was a gift uh, to us, uh, and we were like yeah, sign us up. I mean, I think we went on three or four guided guided bird walks and whatever, and and the species we saw there, um, yeah, was was quite amazing. I mean, an experienced bird guide makes a massive difference as well um so so for me that was geez that was really special you know going out early in the morning every morning um and just just sort of walking two and three hours at a time and and 
uh, north northern Natal is, is not an area that I'm very familiar with. So I mean, I saw I saw quite a few species there that that I that I've never seen in my life. So that was that was probably it. We definitely have to make a plan next time you're down in Durban to get you out and show you some of the really cool birds. Get you some get a whole lot of ticks to your list. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. Definitely. One of the reasons, big reasons we got you in the show is that you guys recently got involved in supporting the Mabula Ground Hornbill Project. Um, you know, I'm always fascinated, like, you know, you spoke about Mark Boucher being involved in rhinos, and it's a, I mean, rhinos are a, are a great cause, but a lot of people get involved in the big, the big, the big sexy animals. But uh, let's be honest, the Southern Ground Hornbill is not the prettiest animal in the block, really. It's got cool eyelashes on that. But you know what? What made you guys get involved in this project, and what has your involvement looked like? Yeah, so uh, my company that that uh, a few partners and myself are called African Freedom. Um, website's www.frdm.co.za. If anyone wants to check it out, we um, we started about three or four years ago with some clothing accessories, uh, sunglasses, flip flops, and we re- re- recently launched launched a gym. Um, so that's the company, and and from the start, uh, our sort of uh, philosophy was to firstly make products that that we would wear and we, that we would want, and and secondly, with the idea of uh, every online sale uh, contributes to to um, to conservation. I mean, it's something that growing up in the bush, it's something that's quite close to to my heart and and my partners as well. And you know, we we not we're not a massive company, so we. we 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 don't necessarily raise hundreds of thousands of rands, but uh, projects like the Ground Hornbill Project in Mabula is you know they they had a need for for some equipment for their vehicles and you know general general stuff that like you say is not always sexy to support and you know and and we we, we like to get involved in projects like that that you know uh, uh, five thousand or ten thousand rand can can go can go really far for a for an institution like that, and and I mean the work that they're doing is is truly remarkable. There with the with the ground hornbills, we we went there, we we got to see the birds from close up, and you know really they took us through a tour of what they're doing and and uh, how they're going about it, and you know just to see like the difference that that we as a small company can make in that. Um, yeah, that was really special, and me as a birder as well. Um, the ground hornbill, uh, majestic. Uh, bird as you know and um, a, a bird that I didn't really know that well because I mean outside of Kruger their the populations are not not that strong so um, yeah just getting to spend a bit of time with that's really interesting and yeah uh, hopefully that that uh, relationship with with them can can go forward uh, in the future as well. I know the trucker caps you guys did with the hornball in the front those are really awesome I'll put the link in the the comment section here both for for, for the company your company as well as where people can get those caps and I know the uh, percentage of the sale of those caps goes to the grand hornball project so it's it's a really good cause um I'm I'm hoping that this podcast is going to go out far and wide that people who are possibly cricket supporters will listen to this and you know, people who who maybe have never seen a ground uh, southern ground hornbill before can obviously go Google and check it out. But you know, we are partnering with you guys over the next couple of months to raise money for the uh, ground hornbill project. So, you know, why do you, why would you say if somebody's? I mean, we let's be honest, um, Rusty, in the middle of this COVID nineteen pandemic, people are being asked left, right, and centre to give money to different organisations, and you know, it can get frustrating at times. Why would you say? that somebody should give to this 
specific cause? I mean, firstly, it's 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 not really give. I mean, it's we we sell products and and the proceeds of those products go to so um, to I mean, I suppose just to put it bluntly, you 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 buy a cap and and whatever percentage profit of of that cap goes to goes to conservation. In the case of the the, the ground hornbill caps, actually all the proceeds go go to that. So I mean, we that, that's part of our initiative that we started like that. So if you if you buy a cap for uh, the price, I actually can't remember what the price is. I mean, you, you, every rand that you spend goes to the, the Mabula Ground Ombul project. So, yeah, it's it's been a really tough and testing time. And for us, and I'm, I'm involved through the Lions and, and through Cricket South Africa, obviously, and, and some other charities as well. And But visiting Mabula, visiting the, the Ground Ombul project, you know, I just realized again that these are, these are people also working selflessly um, not being paid a lot of money, giving their time, devoting their lives to to to, to saving a species and and sort of getting a species back from ex- extinction, and this pandemic has hit them just as hard as anyone else. I mean, it's there's there's so many people losing their jobs and losing their livelihoods, and but but these people are are, are also earning having to earn a livelihood in a pandemic where the tourism industry has been shut down and um, and it's sort of a, a species to a large extent uh, depends on them. So uh, I tell people, you know, we, we don't go out and, and ask and ask for, for freebies or, or donations or whatever, but you know, there's, there's a lot of good people out there doing, doing a lot of good work. And it's, and it's not always like you mentioned in, in the forefront of the news and, and everything, but um, you know, behind the scenes, there's there's some really good work being done, and and that's sort of our angle with this whole thing. Yeah, Rossi, I really appreciate you being on the show, and also for getting involved with us with this um, raising funds for the Mabula Ground Humble Project. I think it's a really great initiative, and really excited to work with you guys going forward. And yeah, just encourage people just to buy cap. Um, there's also a, a fund me account that's going, and just yeah, look, you know, every little bit counts. I mean, if you can't give a lot, just give something, and you know, every little bit makes a difference. And I just, yeah, but Rossi, I really appreciate being on the show. It's been good to chat to you. Yeah, thanks, Adam. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's it's not like uh, like we're saying donate thousands of rand, you know. I think the stats are there for, I mean, even about 10, 10 rand, I think, can can, can put a, a comic book that uh, that they've produced into, into a child's hand and sort of start the education process of, of yeah, preserving the species to an extent so yeah thanks for having me it's been really good fun birding is not a topic that i get to speak about too often um it's more it's, it's uh, as you know probably more cricket and, and whatever so it's been really fun thanks for having me so be sure to head over to bird life south africa's website to get more information about the virtual african bird fair or click on the link in the comment section to register for the fair as Rossi mentioned, we are raising much-needed funds for the Mabula Ground Hornbill Project. Click on the link in the comments section of this podcast to give and stand in line to win amazing prizes. There is also a link to order the awesome Ground Hornbill Truckers caps from African Freedom. All necessary email addresses and websites from this episode on the comments section of this podcast. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life Project and the resources that we are putting out, 
please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website, www.theburninglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a laugh list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.